if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two is underway. We are just so jammed today. It's unbelievable. Nine minutes after the hour, 10 o'clock on this Friday, the seventh morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Thanks to Dr. Davidson for uh, speaking sense on behalf of Case Western Reserve University instead of uh, the nonsense that his colleagues wrote in USA Today. Uh, I look forward to talking with you about that in a bit. But I do want to go back now to the lead story we had this morning. Joe Biden cannot stop being racist. Even when he tries to walk back his racism, he ends up doubling down on his racism. It's an unbelievable thing to see. Now you know why he lives in that basement. Now you know why they don't want to debate. Now you know why he won't do interviews. Now you know why he won't sit down with Chris Wallace the way uh, President Trump did. Joe Biden can't stop being racist. Yes, and by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. And when told he needs to fix that, he did another interview yesterday. We can build a new administration that reflects the full diversity of our nation and the full diversity of Latino communities. Now, when I mean full diversity, unlike the African-American community and many other communities, (laughs) from everywhere. He did it. He can't not be racist, even in the walk back. So the final straw was to send out somebody uh, to handle his Twitter account for him and write what he what they want him to say that he cannot seem to bring himself to say that African-Americans are not all alike, that this is not a monolith, that they are not all the same thinkers. They are not all the same, do not all have the same attitudes that maybe just maybe they might be independent thinkers as well. Joining us now is our friend Peter Kersenow. I wasn't going to do this. Pete normally comes on just one day a week. But when I saw this story yesterday, I said, we need the wisdom of Kersenow to try to plow through Joe Biden here. Peter, good morning, my friend. Hey, Bob, how you doing? It's Friday. Indeed, it is indeed. It's Friday, and uh, uh, Joe Biden is still a racist. It is the seventh <laughs> morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2020, and Joe Biden is still a racist. And I suspect he will be on the eighth morning and the ninth morning. And for- Pete, this is incredible. He has such a history of racist remarks of stereotyping people based on their ethnicity, whether it be Indian people with an Indian accent in a 7-Eleven, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's just on and on and on. Take it from there. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think most adults like to give people a pass. The left never does. Left, uh, If you say something even remotely questionable, they seize upon it immediately and brand you a Klansman. But I think most people understand sometimes people misspeak. Some, sometimes people say something where they actually mean no ill will. It's not really an element of racism or anything of, of that nature. Uh, and sometimes people have a, a, manner, a manner of elocution that just comes out the wrong way sometimes. But as you indicated, Biden has had a history. I remember, look, I've been in front of him several times. Um, he says things that are head-scratching in a number of ways, but particularly when it comes to race. Uh, I'm sure that at some point during the program, this program or another program, you went through the, the litany, the partial litany of the comments he's made. Some of my friends, conservative, inside-the-beltway, sophisticated conservatives don't like to engage in what's known as whataboutism. Uh, I happen to like to engage in whataboutism because I think it's very illustrative of the double standards there are, and I think you're defanging or dearming yourself if you don't engage in whataboutism. If Donald Trump had done this, we all know what would have happened. All he has to do is one thing, and all of a sudden he's racist. They lie about things he says so they can, he says so they can brand him a racist, such as the, the Charlottesville incident. But this guy, it seems as if every other month there's something noteworthy to say. And given the fact that he's locked away in a basement, that's pretty significant. I mean, you've got to really go out of your way to say something like this. Oh, he buries himself every time he opens his mouth, and that's why I think you and I have discussed this before. I am very skeptical and have been for months that he's actually going to engage in a debate because I think his uh, handlers know that not debating is bad, but to allow them to debate is worse. They're between a rock and a hard place, and they have to go with the least damaging alternative. But go through all the things he says. He does the thing that a lot of Democrats like to do, you know, where he affects what he believes to be a black accent. Again, on its own, it's, it's you know, mildly offensive, but he does it repeatedly, as does Hillary Clinton and every other prominent Democrat, not every other one, but many prominent Democrats, you know, there's that study that came out that showed that liberals, when they speak to blacks, tend to be condescending. They tone down their commentary because they're somewhere in the back of their minds, ostensibly. They think that blacks can't comprehend polysyllabic words. Okay, but Biden does stuff like that. But then he affects the black accent. Remember when he said, you know, we're going to put you all back in chains. Yeah, and then yeah. he says, but he does. He does have a pattern. It's a distinct and ongoing pattern where he stereotypes blacks. He has a certain view of blacks as monolithic. That is, they all think alike. Presumably, they all look alike. But he has said that repeatedly, you know, just uh, a couple of months ago before coronavirus became a big thing, you know, he said to Charlemagne the God, you know, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. As if to instruct blacks as to the appropriate approach to politics. Unfortunately... I don't know, Peter, let me, let me hit that. Let me hit that. Uh, I, I don't know that it was instructive as much as it was just acceptance and, and, and taking for granted. Look, if, if the only people who are black who don't vote, vote for me are really not black. I don't think, think it's, I think it's observational rather than obstructive. He re, instructive. He really thinks that black people all think alike. In fact, let's finish 
the the attempted walk back. Okay, I cut it as I brought you in, so I can get you on earlier. But let me just hit this and then respond to this. This is the second interview yesterday in which he was instructed by his handlers to walk back somehow his suggestion that uh, Latinos are diverse of attitude and other things, and African Americans are not. Listen to this walk back. Now, oh, doggone it, I'm muted. Hold on one second. Let's try that again. Here we go. We can build a new administration that reflects the full diversity of our nation and the full diversity of Latino communities. Now, when I mean full diversity, unlike African-American community and many other communities, <laughs> from everywhere, from Europe, from the tip of South America, all the way to our border in all, uh, Mexico and in, in the Caribbean. So, Pete, just that alone... People who are Latino are from everywhere, from you know the you know, Caribbean, from from Europe, from the tip of South America, and so. On. Whereas, alternatively, black people are all from Africa, and and to me that says it all. He he sees Africa as being like just some inner city. It's like one small place, and everybody there is exactly the same. Not even recognize the recognizing the fact that it's a continent. Not even recognizing the fact that there are many different nations that practice many different cultures and that have many different varying ideas on that continent, and that the descendants of Africans, uh, you know, particularly as we go back to this country, as how how so many of them came here and what their descendants, as if they haven't develop their own thought their own ideas their own mentalities their own beliefs their own uh you know their own experiences but no it's just that africans are all alike you're all alike y'all think alike and y'all vote for me or y'all ain't really african that's what i hear from this guy yeah i think there's there's uh, a lot of that is is actually true uh this guy has a view of blacks similar to the caricature defined by Archie Bunker, strangely enough. He does think that all blacks look alike, talk alike, all those things. One thing, however, in his defense, um, look, the Democratic presidential candidate, year in, year out, usually gets 88 to 92 percent of the black vote. Um, that doesn't mean blacks all think alike. It doesn't mean you know all blacks behave the same way or anything like that. But if you're a Democrat and you know you've got the advantage of the media on your side you have this stranglehold on the black community with which lends itself to biden's observation that you know if you don't vote for me you ain't black because blacks are supposed to vote for democrats despite the fact and again one of the greatest pieces of historical jujitsu ever and we've talked about this before the fact that democrats have this allegiance from blacks which pretty much came about during the Great Depression, started to change because the Republican Party had the allegiance of blacks prior to that time for very good reason. But it's extraordinary that all the damage Democrats, including and not excusing Joe Biden, have done to blacks, the policy positions, the votes they've taken, and yet they still get a significant percentage of the black vote. Joe Biden, though, stands apart. Again, holding him to the woke Democratic Party's own standards, to the media's own standards, this guy should have been cashiered a long time ago. Yet they place him in the basement so he can't peek out and say something extraordinarily stupid. Yeah. And he does so. He doubles down. I think there's another observation to be made here, aside from the fact that, you know, he makes these, these uh, racist statements. And I use that term that, uh, using the definition that the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, uh, append to it. But this is a guy who... He stays in the basement for a very good reason. He can't come out because 
This is serious stuff. We joke about it, but it's extraordinarily serious. No one is doing him any favors. I'm surprised his family hasn't pulled him aside. This guy has significant cognitive decline that everyone's aware of. He won't be changing this. You're going to hear another gaffe unless they they cover it up effectively. But if he's out in public, he's going to say something like this again. Pete, this is why they want to, don't want him to debate. That's why he will not exactly allow right. another debate before states actually start voting. That's why uh, uh, the uh, former uh, uh, advisor, Obama advisor, said he should not debate at all. Don't even give in the New York Times. Don't even don't even give uh, uh, Donald Trump a platform to to espouse whatever he wants to espouse. You're winning. Just sit there and take your victory. Don't even talk to me. It's not because they're afraid of what Trump can do. It's because they know what Biden will do. Last thing, Peter, uh, this. This is kind of a shocker, and and I, I'm interested in your thoughts on it, as you mentioned those voting percentages. <clears throat> Writing for The Conversation, academic Sam Fullwood III and David C. Barker, I don't know if you know either of them, report that black the police, voters... Uh, I'm the, sorry? Defund the police uh, study? Uh, no, 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 this okay. is not the defund the yeah. police study. Uh they report that black voters over 60 remain among the most reliable of Democratic voters, and those between 40 to 59 are still pretty well locked in. Black voters under 30, uh, whom they oversampled to comprise half of the sample, are anything but locked in on Democrat votes. The numbers show in this survey of over 1,200 African American voters in key battleground states like Pennsylvania and Florida, they found that uh, voters under 30... Black voters under 30 are leaving the Democrat, uh, the Democrat party. Uh, the numbers indicate, and I'm trying to find the specifics here, um, as to what the, yeah, here it is. O- only 47% of under 30 black voters say that they see the Democrat party as being welcoming to black Americans. Only 43% of them trust Democrats in Congress to do what's best for the black community. And perhaps most strikingly, unlike their older counterparts, only half of those under 30 viewed the Democrats as any better than Republicans on those scores. So this is such a big story here, what we're talking about. Blacks, Democrats taking the black vote for granted, that may be ending because the younger generation, maybe they're following Kanye, I don't know, but they're saying we're not down with the Democrat Party. Yeah, well, you know, we've had 80 years of Democrat policies, and look what's happening. And, and cities controlled by Democrats with huge black populations, look at what's, look at what's happened. But here's the thing with respect to that. Um, that figure it may be encouraging for Republicans, but it's only encouraging if Republicans appear in black communities and actively seek out the black vote. Donald Trump is doing that. You and I have talked about that. You and I have talked about the polls that show an extraordinary approval rating. It's still minute compared to Democrats, of course, but Trump has varied between 30 to 44 percent approval rating among black males of all ages. That is existential for the Democratic Party. Young blacks, just like young people overall, really don't vote in the percentages that, you know, everyone would hope that they would vote in. So having that kind of disaffection of young black voters from the Democratic Party may not mean a lot, except for this. A, you and I talked about the fact that just a defection of two to three points in the black vote from the Democratic Party means electoral doom on a national scale for Democrats. So, although that's not a big deal uh, overall, 
with respect to the black vote, it's imperative that Democrats get 88 to 92 percent, just like Hillary Clinton in 2016 got 92 percent of the black vote, which is about the same as Barack Obama, but didn't get an overwhelming black turnout because of lack of enthusiasm. And that's where you find right now, Bob, there are a number of polls. You and I have been talking about this in at least for a year. There are a number of polls that show yeah. that Biden is doing five to six points worse at this point in time in the electoral cycle than Hillary Clinton did mm. among black voters. Well, and then here's another data point. Real 81% fast. Of, 81% of blacks either don't want to defund the police or want increased police presence at the same time the Democratic Party, in the midst of a huge spike in crime, is saying defund the cops. Probably the dumbest political slogan of our lifetimes. I am so glad you got that in, Pete, because I wanted to get that in, and I just didn't have time. But you're exactly right about that 81%. I'm glad you hit it. Peter Kirsten out. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, Bob. You too. 1024, right back after this. Okay, obviously, long with Kirsten now means short now. Just enough time to remind you. This is what it's all about. Uncle Tom, the movie that Uncle uh, that uh, Larry uh, uh, Elder made called Uncle Tom, which you can see online at UncleTom.com. Uh, uh, this is it. This is exactly what we're talking about with Peter Kirsten out there. Black, young blacks particularly, are leaving the Democrat plantation. They are fleeing. They know that the walkaway campaign is the right campaign. They know that Blexit, coined by Candace Owens, black exit of the Democrat Party, calling it Blexit, they know that is the right thing to do. And they know that uh, what the Democrat Party is trying to lead them to is going to result in deaths in the black community and defunding and slashing of police. That's why what Pete said at the end is so important. 81% of blacks polled want the same amount or more police presence in their communities. They know that an absence of police leads to deaths in their communities. So many black conservatives started figuring this out, and that's what Uncle Tom is. It's a, it's a movie about their conversion and their experiences, what led them, what epiphany they had that led them to being conservatives in America and dealing with the name-calling like Uncle Tom and being called coons and other terribly derogatory things. Listen to Candace Owens, Larry Elder, Herman Cain, the late Herman Cain, Brandon Tatum, and so many others telling their stories. It's so important right now. Go to UncleTom.com and watch the movie Uncle Tom. Save 20% off that download price with the promo code Cleveland. Just type in Cleveland and save 20% at UncleTom.com. We'll be right back. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yeah, most definitely is not. Not the place you want to be if you've got those delicate ears. Thanks to Kersenow. Thanks uh, in the first uh, half hour of the program to Dr. John Davidson. And uh, I want to get to as many phone calls as we can today. But I do have one more guest that I want to talk to about something important. Last night, I had a meeting, a virtual Zoom meeting, with uh, my colleagues at CFFS, the uh, Citizens for Free Speech organization with which I work. It's extraordinarily important. If you have not yet visited citizensforfreespeech.org, please do so. Sign up and become a member. It's free. And join us in our effort to preserve and protect the Bill of Rights, the Constitution as a whole, but more specifically, the First Amendment and all five very important tenets within. In our Zoom meeting, somebody talked about um, 
the problems that we are having with respect to defending ourselves. If the police are being defunded and having their forces slashed, we can't rely on 911 in the case of an emergency. If uh, you choose to arm yourself and use that weapon as a deterrent, uh, the way we saw in, uh, uh, in uh, St. Louis, you run the risk of being locked up for unlawfully using a firearm. Whether you fired or not, we've seen, we have seen that. We also saw just more recently uh, an individual be charged when his shop was broken into by three intruders who attacked him. He shot one of them, shot at the others, and the individuals went free. He has been sent to jail. So maybe the answer isn't arming yourself up, at least in all circumstances. So what choices do you have left? Well, one of those choices is to defend yourself. And you're going to have to learn how to do that. And that's where our next guest comes into play. And this is kind of important. Uh, Rick Green is America's Constitution coach, and he has launched a free emergency citizens defense course on his website, defense2020.com. He's here to tell us how you can protect yourself at a time in which we've never needed it more. Uh, Rick Green, thanks for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer, here in Cleveland. How are you, Rick? Hey, Bob. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. I was reading your website and look, taking a look at your course, and I love it. Uh, know your rights, and I love the Defense2020.com uh, uh, three-part uh, system, essentially, that I want you to tell us about. Ele- intellectual ammo, physical training, and legal protection, because it appears as though we're going to need all of those things if we're going to defend ourselves in a time when, uh, uh, when law and order is not necessarily going to be available. Well, you nailed it. The, uh, you even pointed out one of the big, big national stories, the McCloskey's there in St. Louis, that couple in Michigan just, you know, coming out of the Chipotle there that, uh, had their confrontation and, uh, the, you know, pregnant mom had to end up brandishing her weapon to, to stop the attacks. Uh, you know, we're seeing the mobs pull people out of their cars, beat them. Uh, we've seen children be shot. I mean, it's just, it's happening in city after city in Portland, Seattle, Atlanta. You, you know, the list goes on and now they're moving into the suburbs and the small towns and, you know, people are scared. They're, they're, they're concerned and they're asking the questions. What can I do? How can I defend my family? What are my rights? What, you know, in my state, what can I do? And it's, it's slightly different state by state. And we've got some links on the website so you can look up your particular state. But, but the first thing people have to do is they have to start with that intellectual ammunition. They have to know their rights, know what the Second Amendment actually allows them to do. Uh, realize, first of all, the Second Amendment's not about hunting. I'm a big hunter myself, but it's not about deer and pheasants and those sort of things. It's literally about defending your family, being able to defend your family in that moment or defend your property. It's about preventing a tyrannical government uh, from being able to uh, take over, keep them at bay. And that's not some outlandish quote. That's what the founders themselves said. We have quote after quote after quote in our Constitution class showing that. Uh, but it, for this particular case, it's about self-defense. So knowing those rights uh, so that you don't have to wonder in the moment. You know, think about it. If they're surrounding your car or they're beating down your door and you're having to take out a book and try to figure out what you're allowed to do it's too late you're having to think through that mental process at that moment it's too late you got to do this stuff ahead of time so it starts with the mental side and then it's the physical training uh you know bob i don't know about you i grew up around guns i thought you know i'm type a i'm gonna i'll step up i'll take care of it i was wrong you know i was finally put in a simulation moment where i froze and, and my family would not have survived that incident had it been real and it made me realize i need to be trained i need I to did have a similar simulation training. Yeah, I did a similar really? similar situation, uh, or simulation, rather. Uh, I didn't freeze, per se, but I was so nervous about the situation, I couldn't get the gun off of my holster. I had my little side holster. I could not get it out. And by the time I, I did, I was being hit in the head 
metaphorically by a guy with a uh, yeah. uh, with, with with a tire iron uh, who was coming at me, and I just couldn't do it in time because you panic and your hands get nervous and, and whatever the case may be. So I understand exactly. Oh, what your you body mean. floods continue. with that. Yeah, yeah, your body floods with that adrenaline. You know, right. your your mind is trying to figure out. And, and in my simulation, I was in. I, was, I mentally froze because of, of legal questions. Literally, was wondering in my mind, is it okay to do this? Did he do enough? You know, did he touch it? It was just. It, it was terrible. Yeah. And uh, I remember coming home on the plane with my son. He was 16, and we'd gone through this class together for the first time and, and just telling him. I, the, that was the worst feeling I've ever had in my life, that I failed my family. And, and so we started training you know, several times a year at that point, and that was eight years ago. And now everyone in our family, even my kids, when they were young, we, they started training. And, uh, you know, everybody is well-trained. And, and, you, and you learn to somewhat overcome that adrenaline. Uh, it, 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 you know, anybody will tell you, you, you drop to about 50% of, of your latest training when the moment hits because of the adrenaline. But without the training, forget it. It's not enough. You know, I mean, you remember Wayne LaPierre used to say from NRA, the only thing to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. That's sure. partially true, but it's not totally true. And we've seen those incidents happen where somebody had a gun but failed in the moment. It's actually a trained good guy with a gun that will stop a bad guy with a gun. That's the real solution. And we need more good guys and good gals trained. And We've done that with thousands of people over the last few years with this constitutional defense course because it combines the mental, the, the intellectual ammunition. I take them through a crash course on the Constitution in the evenings, but during the day they're getting that physical training from some of the best instructors on the planet. And by combining that, they're ready. And we've taken thousands through it before all these mobs and this stuff happened. And now, man, I'm telling you, our phone's ringing off the hook. People are scared. They're hungry. They want to learn. And that's what why we went ahead and set up Defense 2020 to say, okay, look, we're going to give this away now. We, this is normally a $1,000 course. We're going to give it away for free. You just got to pay for your travel and your ammo. Uh, we want to get as many people trained as possible. We've given away a million dollars in training. We want to give away another million before the end of the year if we can because we just, I, I mean, we're passionate about this. And, and where you uh, Boston, I watch, where yeah, are we traveling? Going. Where are we traveling, Rick, to it's, take this course? It's just outside of Las Vegas. It's a place called Pahrump, Nevada. It's a 550-acre campus, 75 ranges, best instructors on the planet. They train about 50,000 people a year, wow. um, and I'm their constitution coach, and, and we do this about six, seven times a year. Um, and it is, it's phenomenal, man. The fellowship's great. We'll, we'll fill it up with, with our people. <laughs> you'll, you'll be around like-minded people that are hungry to save the country and hungry to you know, to learn what they can do to defend their family. They, they, they love our Constitution, and you'll say, wow, I'm not alone. There are other people that care about this. Give me, uh, give me just a quick scenario. You know, we, we talked about the, the simulations, uh, because we've seen it too many times on videos during these riots in these various cities where roads are being blocked. Somebody makes a wrong turn down the wrong place, gets in the wrong area, and suddenly they are surrounded. They are, you know, they're pounding on the windows, maybe pounding on the hood of the car, and you don't know when they're going to smash a window and, and, and grab and assault you. Um, your first instinct has to be to hit the gas and get the heck out of there, but if people are standing in front, you don't want to be charged with vehicular homicide. Give me a scenario like that, Rick. What What's the best course of action for somebody to take? You know, one of the first things that we teach is, is, is mental awareness, to be in what we call condition yellow so that you recognize that that event is about to happen. You see the threat before it gets there so that you can avoid it. We're not for, you know, we don't want people getting in these situations. The best gunfight is no gunfight for it to not right. happen. The best confrontation is the one that you avoid. Um, but you're exactly right. A lot of people right now are, in fact, just 30 minutes from my house here in Austin. That, it happened last weekend. This guy's driving for, I forget, Uber or Lyft and dropped off one of his, his rides and, and was scrolling on his app and looking for the next pickup that he was going to do and, and turns the corner. Boom. He's in the middle of the mob. They surround his car. They beat on his car. Guy walks up, sticks an AR-15 in his face, 
uh, and he and he responds and fires back at this guy. Well, you know, in that case, I mean, you, sometimes it does happen where you can't avoid it. In that case, could he have avoided it? Probably if he was in a better condition, yellow, he would have seen and made a quicker turn and, and, and avoided it, but maybe not. And, and so that's why we start with how do you avoid the situation in the first place and prevent it from happening. And then if you get in that unavoidable situation, what are the steps you can take to de-escalate that situation and get out of there safely and nobody get hurt? And then if, you, if that can't happen and you have to defend yourself, uh, that you have the right to do that. And that's what people need to understand is, that, look, you've got a basic, what the founding fathers called the first law of nature. And, and let's not forget, the Declaration of Independence talks about the laws of nature and nature's God. And they said the first law of nature was self-defense, that you had that right. You see it in nature all the time, and the humans have that exact same right. And therefore, if you are in fear of your life, or in fear of serious bodily injury, or for someone else in, in, in your family, or even a stranger. If you have that genuine fear, you have the right to respond uh, and to use deadly force if necessary to prevent that, prevent your life from being taken. Right. And, and that's part of that mental decision. You know, I struggled with that, to be honest with you. It's like, okay, look, I'm a Christian. I, you know, I want to treat people with respect. I don't want to hurt anybody. Uh, but if they're going to take my child, if they're going to harm my wife, if they're going to take my life and leave my children without a father... I'm going to make the decision here that that guy's life, that bug's life, is going to be taken before my child's life is taken. And, and, and is, that is a biblical right. And, and for those who struggle with that in terms of their faith, they need to understand the Bible is not against that. The Bible actually speaks for that. The castle doctrine goes all the way back to the Bible. Very, very correct. Uh, Rick Green, uh, the Constitution co- Coach, uh, we want to send people to the website to learn more about this, particularly the preparation, the intellectual ammo that you just heard uh, Rick talking about. you got to prepare yourself ahead of time so that you know how to act when you are in the moment, uh, and it starts with that. But if you want to go all the way through and take that course, uh, just go to Defense2020.com. I just logged on to it myself before the interview, Defense2020.com. You'll learn a lot more about this course, the intellectual part, the physical part, and the the legal part as well. Rick Green, the Constitution Coach, thank you so much for opening the eyes of people about how they can and should protect themselves in a very dangerous time in our country. Bob, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. I did, the last thing I'd say is tons of free information at that website. Even if you just want to go watch those videos, you'll learn yeah. a ton just watching some of those videos. So Amen I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate it. Uh, that's 2020. You, you log on to that website. Like I said, it's uh, defense2020.com. All right, 1047. We're going to take a t- our final time out here and come back with time for some calls uh, on AM 1420 The Answer. France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 1050. We got out a little early, which is good. No, we normally have about three or four minutes before the uh, top of the hour and the end of the show. Now we've got a good nine minutes, so let's take uh, advantage of it. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. This gloriously patient person, Linda, has been waiting since the show began to get on the air, and it's now paying off for her. Linda from California by way of Ohio on the air. Good morning, Linda. Go right ahead. Hey, hey, gosh, your your show is fabulous. I loved all the guests. Dr. Thank Davidson, you. agree with him a thousand percent. You're not going to believe what's going on here, Bob. We have Mexicans that are being flown into California and in our hospital where we have a doctor friend. Eighty percent of the COVID patients are from Mexico. Speak no English. There's no medical record. What part of, what part of California? Uh... Orange County, 
Okay, so Southern, yeah, okay. Gotcha. Go ahead. And then the other thing that's kind of interesting, Bob, is this particular hospital where we have this doctor friend. They are not allowed to give hydrochloroquine or they lose their license. Now, that is a bombshell. I don't know what the story is. Is somebody making money on the COVID vaccine? I don't know. I'm just telling you what I found out from our doctor neighbor. That's pretty incredible. Uh, I, I'd like to find out how and why someone would u- lose their license if they give that. Um, you know, in, here in Ohio, we had a short period of time where the uh, pharmacy board in the state um, forbid the prescribing of hydrochloroquine and without express uh, uh, the express direction and approval of the director of the Ohio Board of, of Pharmacy. Uh, but that was quickly lifted. The governor didn't like it, which I'm glad to say. I don't always say a lot of great things about our governor, but he uh, lifted that. But unless you have a, a law like that or an order like that that has been put forth that forbids doctors from doing so, uh, I can't imagine how somebody would actually lose their license. You should probably look into that to see if that's going on. As to the first part about what you had to say, Linda, and I thank you for the phone call. I'm going to let you go here. Uh, the first part of that is very troubling. We have, you know, obviously hundreds of thousands of cases in the United States, actually millions of cases in the United States, uh, uh, that our health care system uh, you know, needs to be able to deal with. I will not say it's overrun. That was the whole point of the lockdown and the flattening of the curve. But there's still millions of Americans need to be treated. If what she is saying is accurate, uh, and she's quoting a hospital worker, that literally people from foreign countries, whether they be Mexico or anywhere else, are being flown in to be treated in American hospitals with American resources, that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. But it would not surprise me. After all, that is Gavin Newsom's California. And that says a lot. Uh, let's uh, let's bring in TJ on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, Bob, your guess there about you know the training. Now, I'm not discounting training. It's a good thing. <laughs> but I want people to realize it's not the be-all and end-all of everything. You know, before I went to Vietnam, I went through literally months and months and months of extensive training. First firefight I got in, when the adrenaline took over, I was like a deer in the headlights. I got tunnel vision, confusion, and I was fortunate enough to survive. And I was even fortunate enough more to survive a few more before the game started to slow down for me. And I didn't have to worry about legal ramifications. So I'm not discounting the training, but the best thing he said was, your best defense is to avoid it. Yeah. To be, have your head on a swivel and avoid it if you possibly can. Totally agree. I don't agree. care how much you're trained, once that adrenaline kicks in, you just don't know how you're going to react. No, totally agree. And, uh, and, and that's why I kind of brought up my own situation there. It was kind of a drown. I knew I wasn't going to get shot because I had a paint gun, and uh, the guy coming at me wasn't going to really hit me with the tire iron in the simulation that I did with Westlake Police uh, several years ago. But the adrenaline came in, and I could not get my hand uh, you know, on my gun on my side uh, in time to pull it out uh, you know, to shoot. I, I made the decision I was going to try to halt him with by pointing it at him and then, if need be, shoot it. But I couldn't even get it out by the time he was on me. Adrenaline does indeed take over and you don't know how you're going to respond between your nerves and your adrenaline adrenaline and your fear quite frankly of two things the attack that that may be coming and the ramifications if you strike you know what i mean all of that thanks tj all of that does come into play but having said that having some training is better than none avoid it if you can but if you find yourself in a situation the internet is filled with videos of people who tried to avoid but could not avoid the confrontation that that found them and then they have to make a decision on what to do i'd rather have some training than no training 
You know, it's not to be all end all, but it's a tool in your box. That's the way I see it. Thank you, TJ. Lisa in, uh, oh, it's Lisa Woods. Hey, Lisa at uh, Medina County <laughs> Friends and Neighbors. How are you? Good morning. I am well. Thanks, Bob. I hear I you had a great turnout. I hear you had a great turnout with Jack Windsor two weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. We sure did. I was so nervous because, you know, the Copper Top has, you know, these, you know, they're, they're sweating bullets. And people just kept on coming and coming. We had a great crowd, and it it was a great meeting, uh, indeed. We had folks from so many different counties. There were more people from, I think, outside of Medina than Medina County to see Jack. Wow. Well, that's great. great. That's great. uh, What's coming up tomorrow? So tomorrow we're going to have an open discussion. We have several elected uh, officials coming to talk about, well, you know, there's a plethora of of, uh, stuff out there to talk about, right? So, um we have a representative, Daryl Kick, my favorite representative, who ha- just happens to be my representative. Um, <laughs> and he'll be talking about, well, whatever we ask him, but I think householder issue is probably going to be big. Um, I believe Julie Schaefer is coming. Um, we've got to get to know these judges, and you have to understand how serious it is that we know who to vote for when it comes to judges, and there'll be much more. We'll have elected officials on hand to, to answer questions. Good stuff. Um, we always look forward to yeah. uh, hearing from you about what's coming up because it's such an important organization. Medina County Friends and Neighbors. Time and location again, as always, Lisa. Thank you. Uh, 8.30 in the morning at the Copper Top in Valley City on Center Road, right off of 303. Um, you can take 71 to 303 and just head west, and it's right, right on 303. Love to have some new folks. Um, and also, I just want to say that there's usually people that are, you know, into training. Um, we have concealed carry um, instructors and, you know, a, a lot of different people that will help in different areas. Because right now, there's so many things we have to focus on, right? I yeah, mean, no doubt. And training ourselves, protecting ourselves, to making sure we're voting right. And if we're citizens that can help make sure we're not going to get paper ballots, what can we do? All kinds of stuff. You know, there's no end to it. So we all got to get busy so that we have a secure uh, November. Great place to visit on a variety of topics. Lisa, thanks so much. That's Medina County Friends and Neighbors tomorrow morning. By the way, I'm going to give you options. If you are going to Lisa's event, good for you. If you are going to be a little further west uh, out in Lorain County, the aforementioned Jack Windsor is uh, is talking tomorrow morning. At nine, I gotta find the details here again, um, because I had Jack on and we were talking about this earlier. This is gonna be at, I wanna say nine thirty. No, nine o'clock. Uh, seating starts to get, uh, going at eight thirty. There'll be coffee and donuts at this event. It's the Lorraine County Tea Party Meeting, the Totally Engaged Americans Tea Meeting. So it's tomorrow, eight thirty is when coffee and donuts are served and people start to get their seats. It starts at nine. It'll last till about ten thirty. Uh, if you happen to be out in Lorraine County, it's in Amherst at the former Penton's Farm Market, 44905 North Ridge Road in Amherst. Um, Jack Windsor will be talking, and uh, I will be in the audience. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing what Jack has to say. I talk to him once or twice a week on the air, but this will be a great opportunity for other people to ask questions as well. And uh, Mary Grace in Old Brooklyn is going to be our final call. Mary, go right ahead. God's blessing. Another excellent and wonderful show, Mr. Prince. Thank you so much. Um, very educational, and uh, I could talk about many things, especially the Eighth Amendment, the ruined in many states it's called the summary application god help us all i pray for all our children and our children's children and we raise them properly in jesus name 
Sister Mary Grace, I could not second that more enthusiastically. We need prayer now more than maybe we have ever needed it in in this great republic if we are to save the country for our children. You're 100% correct. Sometimes I feel very guilty for the country we're going to turn over to our kids because we're not doing it right. Thank you so much for that call. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to my guests. Thanks to Derek for running the show solo today. Thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe and stay free. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye.